You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm Robert Smith. Today's guest joins us from Central City, Iowa, where she's the vice president of the Lynn County Fair. Jennifer Dunn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Now, for my nine listeners, what can you share with us about your fair? We are a, um, we're, in a we're in a county that's a larger metropolitan area. Um, second largest city is in our county, but our fair is not in that city. So we are just about uh, 20 minutes north of Cedar Rapids area, and we are a smaller fair. Um, when I should say back when we started, um, uh, when I started with Ford and the association in 2006, we only had about 6,000 people that came to our fair. So very small. Um, but within that time frame, we have grown to over 45,000, um, attendees that come to our fair. So we've done a really good job of, of building that up. Yeah. So, um, there's a few of us, we kind of called the fair was our babies before we had our babies. So um, we put a lot of time and effort into it and uh, we've really grown it and we are an all volunteer fair. So I think that's one of those things that um, I bring a different aspect um, to the fair world uh, because a lot of our friends that we kind of know that, you know, fair is their life, fair is their, their sole income. Um, and one of the things that we can say um, some days we want to pull our hair out, but we're all volunteers. So it's exciting. Some days. So how, did, how did you end up volunteering with the fair? Um, so I grew up with our fair. This is the fair that I grew up with um, in, in my youth and being involved in 4-H. Uh, so I was in, involved with it, um, knew it as the small fair that had the livestock shows, and, and that was about it. Had some fun games here and there, but, you know, nothing to the extent of what we've, we've built it to. Um, but the reason I got involved was actually my father-in-law. When I graduated college um, in 2006, he said, hey, we need a secretary or, and treasurer because um, we have no one that wants to take over that. He said, why don't you just come and help us out? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll come and help you out. And um, it was one of those that he drug me to that meeting and and the rest was history. And um, here we are, you know, 2021 and still heavily and now even more heavily involved because of him. Sure. Now, how long how long have you been with the fair? Since 2006. So uh, what is it we have to? 14, About 15 years, 14, 15 years. 15 yeah. years? Yeah. Wow. How yeah. is the fair... How have you seen the fair change in that time? You said earlier you were looking at, you know, 6,000 people. Now you're on a roll in 45,000. That's a yeah. incredible increase. Um, yeah. What other changes have you seen with the fair? I think one of the things that we've done um, a really good job of is trying to um, allow those extra events, you know, the people that are doing livestock shows and, um, you know, doing the 4-H side and the FFA thing, you know, those are the, the people that are always going to be there. Um, and And it's our duty to then, take this platform that we have created and then turn around and educate and help others understand what we've been able to do. And with being one of the largest cities, uh, like I said, second largest city in our state, you know, we have a prime example or an opportunity to take advantage of and, and build that. So we've got to find other ways to get those people out there. You know, if it's free entertainment, if it's um, a concert, if it's a, a truck and tractor pull, um, if it's, you know, little kids being able to participate in stroller weight races or a pie eating contest, you know, those types of things that are going to draw other people um, out to our grounds that maybe don't have, um, you know, the reason to come to fair because there's animals there. So we've really taken that and, and um, run. It's fantastic. It really is. Now, aside from COVID, which we're going to touch on here in a moment, what are some of the challenges you face as VP of this fair? Um. It, as any fair, um, we could probably talk to is trying to find that motivation to keep people involved, to keep people excited about what's going on, um, and think outside the box. Uh, that's been one of those things that, you know, as a board, we were challenged in trying to figure out what to do. Uh, there's only six fairs in the state of Iowa um, as of 2020, uh, or 20, yeah, 2020, that only had their fairs in June. Everybody else was pretty much after. Um, so July on after. And so we had a pretty significant decision to make early on compared to everybody else. Um, and so it was pretty fresh and, and dealing with, um, you know, as our board and knowing, you know, we have going on here in Iowa um, and sitting where I sit in, you know, a leadership position um, as the, with, with the YPI, I was able to, you know, know what other people were doing. 
know what else is is coming down the pike how are people adjusting what are people doing what are the fun things that they're creating so that we don't sit stagnant here for two years because you think about it our audience isn't going to be able to see us and engage in a fair for two whole years and and that's not what we wanted to do um and so being able to think outside the box and, and that's one thing that i continue to pride ourselves on that we're um you know we're pushing each other to you know even our last meeting we had the conversation well you know, how are we going to do fair this year? How's it going to look? Well, we can't do this because there's too many people. Okay, well, let's not go with the mindset. And Courtney Conkle is a prime example, and, and I applaud her for making people, okay, let's not use the word no, um, not say we can't do this. How can we do this? How can we adjust and, and maneuver things and spread things out? Um, because people are ready to, to make those, those um, changes and, and come out and, and participate in events. Yeah, I think um, people are definitely ready to come back out. Um, Certainly, there's going to be some areas where as we, you know, as we start reopening, that you're going to get some fair guests that are maybe a little squirrely about not wanting to come out. And the consistent message I've heard from every fair manager I've spoken with is they want to put on a safe, fun event. And if you don't feel safe this year, then they'll come. You know, we, you know, we will get a time where everybody's feeling good about it again, might be 22, might be 23. We'll get to that point, and but we need our guests to to feel safe and and comfortable. Is there anything I'm curious that you know now that you wish you'd known back in 2006 when you came into this position? <laughs> what I would know now, wish I would have known what now what I um, what I had experienced back then. You know, I think one of those things that comes to um, my mind is how quickly and how fast we've grown. Um, you know, planning, you know, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, you know, what are our goals? Um, I think that's one of those things where, you know, right in front of us, let's go, let's make this decision. Let's have this, this, and this. And it's like, huh, what if we would have done this? What if we would have changed that? But, um, you know, in regards to, I call life is a road, life is a journey. And um, I think about the hardships that we've had. And, you know, as one of those things, and you probably read too, that we've been dealt a lot of crazy cards at our fair. Um, You know, we had a tornado touchdown uh, opening night affair during opening ceremonies. I get a, I've good friends with the, the um, emergency management uh, team and get a phone call and said, and you know, we talk regularly, usually leading up to fair and during fair on a regular basis. And I get the phone call and panic and Jen, 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 there's, there's a tornado. And I, you know, literally am scanning because it's, you know, not looking so great at that point, but um, and there was a tornado that literally was coming across our grandstands um, at that point. Wow. It was absolutely crazy. But, you know, I think it's one of those things that we um, evolve into the situations that we're dealt with. And looking back, you know, those those hurdles and um, those situations create who we are today. And um, as much as, as frustrating and as challenging as those can be um, in all facets, you know, they mold us. They, they create the person of are so yeah tornadoes at fairs are are definitely scary things i was involved in one at the curry county fair in clovis new mexico probably 2000 i want to say 2014 or 15 and the it was right by where i'd gone to gone to college so i knew the whole area and as the tornado sirens went off i was in conjure and i was like okay i gotta get this thing back you know back into storage and get it out of here get off the grounds and i had just enough time that I was able to look at the radar and I saw that the hook that they look for for circulation. And I was like, Oh God. And I went outside the door and I looked up and it was like, you could see it coming down on top of the fairgrounds. And it was like, Oh, and these are all old, you know, as most fairgrounds, these are old metal buildings. This is not going to be good. And, um, luck, the hail that came out of that thing, we still have our SUV still has dents all over it from that hailstorm <laughs> six or seven years ago. Luckily, from what I understand, the outer wall of the tornado never formed because there was so much wind shear on the inner side of the core that it didn't allow it to completely form. But when that yeah. thing hit, yeah, oh, buddy, that was yeah. a moment where I was holding my breath because I literally was messaging my wife going, I should have gotten out of here sooner. Like I knew I could have jumped in my car and within 90 seconds, because I know where the fairground is. Yeah. I could have been going west. I knew which direction the storm was going. I could have been out of there within 90 yeah. seconds to two minutes. I could have been gone. Yeah. And I was like messaging Sarah going, I should have gotten <laughs> out of here. And she was like, you're going to be fine. Yes. Stay cover. You're yep. going to be fine. And I'm like, oh my God, this is that moment where you start saying your goodbyes. Cause I looked up and it was like, 
the most There's horrifying thing like I'd it. ever seen at that point. Yes. For sure. So definitely, uh, a, you know, kind of the baptism by fire for you for to have a fear yes. and be like, oh, hey, tornado is ravaging our grandstand right now. So no, no big deal. I know. But, and that's one of the things I did not, I never would have thought, but I went and got trained to be uh, a weather spotter. Like, yeah was never something that I would have even dreamt out and how was it fair related, but it's so much fair related in regards to looking at clouds and, and being aware. But that's one of those things that I'm like, you know, wasn't even on my radar, never had an idea or inkling to, to learn sure. about that stuff. And, and, but when you, know, you consider like, your location in the Midwest, I mean, you're right in the middle yeah. of tornado alley. So it's probably not a bad skill for you to have. Yes. Um, yeah. If only you had been trained in pandemic spotting. <laughs> I know. Speaking <laughs> of, I mean, let's, Maybe. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I do a fortune machine character for fairs. I should have seen this thing coming and I completely failed. Dang it. So let's take a trip back to early 2020, as painful as it might be. Um, I think for most people I've talked to, they were thinking this, this thing would kind of wreak havoc for a couple of months and we'd be back to good by summer. Um, but then Houston cancels. And that is to consistently on the show when we're talking to people, the point where we all realized oh, if Houston can shut down, you know, three, four, five days into their run, this is going to be a big deal. What are you thinking when Houston cancels, when you find out? Um, as, as you can imagine, it was, um, I've got, we've got frere friends all over and, you know, we're constantly texting back and forth through that, you know, March, April timeframe. And, and we are, um, you know, conversating, did you see so-and-so? Did you see so-and-so? Um, and that's one of those things. And, and when that one came through, it's like, whew, we're going to have to really think about what's going to happen here. And this isn't going to be something that's short-term, like you said, and like we anticipated, um, definitely early on was one of those things that, okay, you know, we can ride this out, you know, we'll hopefully we'll be able to do this and we can make some adjustments. Um, but again, it was, it was one of those things that we definitely had to stop and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the day that we had to officially like cancel. And, right. um, and, and I, and we don't like to use can use the word cancel. Um, but we did physically cancel our fair in regards to, you know, people gathering, but we then threw on a whole virtual, um, fair itself, but it was pretty, um, it was pretty gut-wrenching. And, you know, it almost felt like a death when you had to go through that stuff and, and realize that, you know, something like this was actually going to happen. And so I think the processing was tough. Um, but then I, I told everybody as, as we talked about too, is, all right, let's have a pity party. Let's get over it. Let's have, um, we're going to, we're going to make, um, lemonade out of, out of lemons we're dealt with. And I always said, I always spiked my lemonade this year because we, you know, <laughs> what, it, what did you spike it with? Share the recipe. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was tough. It was tough to know that all of our friends, um, that again, rely on this as their income on a regular basis, you know, that, it's tough. And, and how can we literally, you know, recreate the wheel, recreate the ideas of, you know, the, the shell of what we were doing um, and recreate that so that maybe there was income and maybe there was a way to draw a larger audience. And, and that was um, the challenge. I always find everything, you know, I like puzzles. I like puzzles and putting pieces together and finding that, that way to, to solve a problem. Sure. You know, eventually you guys, like you said, you did get to the point where a decision had to get made. Um, take us through that decision-making process. So with our area, um, Cedar Rapids is, is the, the main hub of who we go through um, in regards to like our uh, health department and conversations and, you know, our local supervisors. And, and we are, we uh, are owned by ourselves. So we are our own separate entity. We're not government owned or anything like that. So, you know, realistically, it's our call. Um, but when it comes to running a fair, as, as you can imagine, you know, it takes the emergency management, it takes um, the sheriff's department, it takes, um, you know, some authorization from the health department, it takes, you know, our supervisors. So, um, and even our, our local city that we're, that we're inside of, um, you know, I included those guys and those city officials in regards to the conversations, because I didn't want anyone to feel, um, as we, as a group, we didn't want anyone to feel that they weren't included in that conversation to feel like they were informed. Um, and so lots of meetings. Um, I, I talk about 2020, the word, the year that I learned three different words, which was COVID, zooming and derecho, um, for us, which is a whole nother story, but that's a large windstorm is you could probably imagine it was a land. It's a inland hurricane, which we had hit our area. 
Um, but those were three words I never even really knew of, um, you know, starting in 2020. And, you know, having those conversations, Zoom meetings constantly, making sure that we're thinking about all aspects of, you know, if we're to have fair, how does that look like? How can we be safe? How can we create um, the least risk and liability? Because that's a big thing. Um, you know, we don't want to put this thing on and then wish we wouldn't have because a lawsuit happened. Um, exactly. But those are all the things that are coming through that were a hot topic and too early for us to, um, you know, no one else had tested the waters yet. And I, and I said, this is not the time for us to be testing waters. It's, it's kind of where I felt in that part of May when we had to make that decision. So um, it was tough. We had everyone at the table um, at some point and having those conversations. Um, it wasn't an easy conversation to some and still, you know, there's still some people that um, it hurts. I mean, because again, we, we, you know, years and years of coming to the fair and um, we didn't get to have it like we would normally have it. Well, and you put so much work into planning and, and figuring out all the details and sorting things out and getting entertainment booked and concessionaires in there and any concerts and your livestock, all of those things that go into running a fair and you put all that effort in and then you're told, nope. Yeah. And it's, I know it's been brutal. You know, some of the folks we've talked to um, were canceled very, very early. I mean, if you think about Miami, Miami Dade yeah. was like 15 minutes from opening and their health department shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, when you look back, um, my heart goes out to those people because trying to pivot on, you know, 15 minutes before you're going to open those gates and pivot to a whole situation, you know, we had time to mourn, mourn our loss and mourn our change and then regroup. Um, you know, it is, it's one of those things that there's a lot of, um, stories out there that you know they didn't have that time to to go through and plan yep and that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to share those stories um there's some real differences in how people responded and there's some real similarities in how people responded um so many of us went through this storm together but in a very different way um you know my wife found that she was getting tired of hearing people tell her yeah we're, we're all in the same boat um, and then eventually she saw something that came across Facebook that said something to the effect of, no, no, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. And, yeah. you know, if you think about it, <clears throat> you know, a battleship or a submarine is designed to weather the storm, a little fishing boat's going to have, have some struggle. Yeah. And, you know, I think as we look at these fairs and uh, across the country and as we look at, you know, concession, all the service members, concessionaires, yeah. entertainers. We, we were all at a different place, you know, for some of us, you know, like me, Condor Fortune Machine is, is broken down and it's, it's travel case sitting in the garage, just waiting, yeah. just waiting. But I have, you know, very little overhead. Mm-hmm. You know, I have zero overhead. Luckily, September of 19, Sarah and I were able to get all of our business debt um, paid off. So we're finally on the, on the black side of things. But there's people out there with serious overhead when you think about like sea lion splash and the pig races and Anybody that's, yeah, you know, heading zoos, carnivals yeah. that, you know, those, one of the things that when I spoke with Jay Straits that I didn't realize happened is that you, those rides can develop kind of a lot rot if they're mm-hmm. just put in storage. The, they, he was telling me that I forget how often it was once a month or every six weeks, they will pull rides out and they will set them up and they will grease them and run them. And cause yeah. otherwise they just sit there and rot and you wouldn't think they would, you'd think yeah. there's just, Oh, they're sitting there. They're fine. But you know, there's some real cost for these people in a time when they're not making money. So um, we really need to get 21 going. And speaking of which, it's got to be difficult for you guys to plan 2021 when you're still sitting in the middle of the pandemic. What kind of mitigation strategies and and planning are you guys looking at for 21? That is, that's one of those things that we are, it is at our mind right now and and constantly thinking about what we're going to do and how you adjust. Um, so we really started to dive this next meeting that we'll have as a board. Um, we'll really start to dive into um, trying to lay that fair out and lay if we're going to, you know, thought of, okay, do we do one day um, a grandstand event and larger events? And then we shut that grandstand down for the next day as cleaning comes in. Um, is it something that we take our fair that's been about five, traditionally five days and do we spread that out to 10 days um, and trying to find those avenues so that we can, still have those events that have been traditional um, and, but then not wear us out. Cause as I said, we're volunteers. So everyone 
you know, got to take time off and adjust their schedules as to what they're going to do. So um, it'll be interesting to, to see where we come at with it. Obviously, you know, more hand sanitation, sanitation stations, um, you know, we'll have, you know, signage is huge. Uh, there's always a sign somewhere, uh, but, and then creating, you know, spreading that group out, spreading, you know, our events out. We have a youth day that's hugely attended and, you know, there's, there's times where there's 7,000 kids on the, the, you know, seven, five, five to seven, it depends on the year, but, you know, large amount of kids and those are daycare kids, you know, are those daycares coming anymore? Is it something that we actually go and we do reservations? So here's your time slot. You're at the fairgrounds from here and this is how many groups are bringing in and, and do we run that through two days? You know, those are the conversations that are having and just again, thinking outside the box, how can we make this happen uh, while making people safe? Um, again, the conversation with um, ticketing company yet today was, okay, how can we, how can we streamline things? How can we, you know, do touchless? Is it QR codes and you're paying directly through there? And um, we got a really neat thing at our fairgrounds is we have a haunted house that comes, that is actually part of our fairgrounds that a company rents it. There's a haunted house that was here all the way from September to end of October this year. Strictly everything was um, purchased tickets ahead of time and um, kiosk type of driven and worked really well. So you know, watching them and, and helping out them because we help them out and they help us out. Um, worked a couple nights down there with them and, and kind of walked through how their system's working. And it was, you know, they had some learning curves, but, you know, something that we can take that I think is going to, in a mindset, you know, well, that's not how we've always done it, but can we go that route? And I think that's, we're so, you know, you go to a restaurant anymore. Um, I, it's QR codes. I, you know, scan my phone and here's the menu and um, or it's paying, you know, that type of stuff. I think, I think it's definitely something that's going to make us push into that next level um, that will challenge us. But again, be that much more, I don't want to say sellable, but sellable to the, to the public that, you know, we are being cognizant of safety and trying to eliminate those factors of touch points and everything else. We want to eliminate as many touch points that people can come experience and not have to worry about, you know, touching or grabbing money and, you know, those types of things, exchanging at that. Sure. Well, and I think long run, that's going to be a huge benefit to fairs. I, I've often wondered when I've looked back over the years, um, when I've talked, you know, I've, I've taught marketing classes, social media marketing classes at fair conventions. So it was, it was interesting to me for a while in there that we were selling people to go to Walgreens or the local bank to buy their ride bands. Because I can think of nothing uh, less convenient for a, a young mom who's the one primarily in our industry that's making the decisions. I mean, I see on the wall behind you some family photos. You got some yes, little ones. I you're, do. You're the one making some of those decisions on whether we're going this place or that place. And it always, it, it just always blew my mind that we could look at a, a you know busy soccer mom and say, hey, you know, we know you've got to get the kids from school. You got to get them from soccer practice. You got to make dinner in there somewhere. By the way, could you stop by the local bank? and buy a ride band when it seems so much more convenient that she's sitting in bed in her pajamas, swiping through Facebook. And it says, Oh, Hey, two for one deal this week on Wednesday at the fair. And she says, Oh, Hey, honey, are we going to the fair? It's two for one. Okay. Boom. One button done, yeah. which is easier for our main decision makers in this industry. So I think we're, you know, we hear a lot of, well, we've always done it that way. And I think COVID forced that, I hope I never have to hear that again. I think COVID has maybe buried that for the last time and fairs are now doing things even to the point where they're looking at, at traffic patterns, how their traffic moves through their fairgrounds, how their parking lots operate, how pe all those little nitty gritty, gritty details that ultimately come down to a better guest experience for our guests. I think 100% with what, yeah. you, you know, if you guys, if you guys are going that route and you're really embracing it and taking it seriously, of course, the devil is in the execution. Do we execute on it cleanly, you know, and conveniently? Yeah. But I think I could see you guys going from forty-five to sixty thousand in the next five years easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things too, and um, that we do. We we have to um, create the convenience. And I I'm all about the fact of because I I am that mom. And I had somebody tell me that they I can't. We needed a, we need a new swimsuit because we're gonna head to Florida here in a few weeks. And you know I don't. I don't go into a store if I don't have to, I'm buying it from a store that then I tell them I'm here and they come bring it out to my vehicle. I mean, that's the, that's what we've created. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, but that's what we've become. And if it's convenient, then people will, will come and we've got to create that convenience, but then also that safety that then turns around for a great experience, like you said, and we create memories 
and then hopefully lasting traditions for years to come. I agree. So as we're recording this, we got a few fairs down in Florida that have started opening. Um, and Manatee may have actually wrapped up, but Manatee County was on in full. South Florida Fair, I believe, wraps up this Sunday, their mini fair. How yes. closely are you watching some of these early Florida fairs to see what their mitigation strategies and what their results are? Constant. I mean, that's one of those things that I keep telling people too. Um, even with our board, I had the conversation. For as much as some people don't like social media and whatnot, this is our, I mean, we got to be able to look at that and, and what's being portrayed and then being able to, you know, I will probably follow up with Becky and ask her, you know, questions in regards to how things had worked at, at South Florida and, and what's been going on so well that, um, you know, what were good things, what were indifference, you know, and again, we're all in different parts of the state or the nation that each state is different. I mean, again, I've got family out in California that it, it's going to, they're going to, you're, you're going to, they're going to struggle and, and being able to open and, and meet those requirements that might be set up for, before them, where here in Iowa, you know, we kind of have that, I wouldn't say green light, but we've got that green light to, to keep moving forward and, and plan accordingly. We just got to make sure that we execute in the right way. Um, and right. we don't have those situations that, um, I don't want to say look bad, but look bad. I mean, we've got to be able to, you know, show there's those hand sanitation spots everywhere and, and eliminate touch points as much as possible. And when you talk about hand sanitizer and, and stations and, and signage, this is not new for this industry. I, no. I, I find it in, uh, incredibly um, annoying to some level that we've got governments across this country that, you know, state and local governments that are saying, you know, okay, hey, Disney World can open and Walmart can have 300 people in it, but your local fair has to close. When you look at the history, it's like, We've dealt with E. coli. We've dealt with swine flu. We've dealt with avian flu. We've dealt with all the, we understand we're really the ones that pioneered some of these mitigation strategies. So why don't you let us do it again? Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's one of those things that so much of the, the factor of, you know, it is, it's stuff that we've been doing for years and, and definitely um, if you're not walking into fairgrounds, that doesn't have a sign to say, wash your hands pre COVID um, you know, it, it was a shock at that point because again, oh, yeah. E. coli was a huge thing and, and something that we've been drilled on and thanks to IFE and what they've been able to provide for us and, and push, you know, is always thinking of that liability factor and making sure that we're making those um, decisions and, and making sure that things are safe uh, for that experience when a, when a patron comes to our grounds. For sure. So what kind of restrictions are you guys currently looking at in Iowa? Honestly, um, with our restrictions, you know, social distancing is the big thing in regards to limitations for gathering and meetings. They aren't there anymore. Uh, those have been eliminated, which is great. Um, you know, we've got a, a venue at our fairgrounds that's primarily used for weddings, I would say, um, at receptions and whatnot, talking with brides and that worry of what it's going to be like, um, you know, can I have my wedding in full? And you know, the re what we are, are told is, you know, you're supposed to practice social distancing and everyone needs a seat um, at those venues. So it'll be interesting um, what it comes. I mean, obviously we're, you know, five months, four months out of the five months um, before our event that we'll really dive into those. And, and you know, we're lucky to have um, some great people that are involved with the um, our local county government and, you know, have a good um, grasp as to what's going on. And so, and, and the, the thought is things are going to change a lot here in the next couple months, um, with the vaccinations and just that mindset of everything is, uh, we're getting a little bit closer to feeling that normal again. So right. hopefully we're going to get there. Well, and you know, things change so quickly. Um, you know, our governor was, we were talking before the show, our governor went from this gating criteria model that could have left New Mexico without kids going to school through for the rest of the year. And all of a sudden, like two days ago, she went, okay, you can reopen February just out of nowhere. It gets a little frustrating to try and keep up with all the, you know, the different standards and, and restrictions that get set and then, and then undone. And, you know, we do our best, but I feel like in this industry, there's probably not many industries that are as adaptable as we are. We've been doing it or, you know, the entirety of our industry has been based on adapting to ever-changing climates and we've survived world wars. We've survived, uh, you know, pandemics in, in 1918. We'll survive this one. It, you know, it's just a matter of when do we get to reopen our gates fully and, and go back to normal. So let's shift gears here uh, real quick. We've, Plenty of pandemic talk, but let's talk about some things that are a little bit more positive. 
There we I go. understand you are now the YPI committee chair. What does that role entail? Yeah, so um, I've, it's Young Professional Initiative and it's part of the uh, International Affairs and Expos and excited to hold this role. And what this role is, is for the under 40s uh, involved in the fair industry. Um, so not me anymore. <laughs> yeah, expired, right? Is what we expired. say at that point. Um, it is, it's one of those uh, groups that is for the under 40s. We definitely take lots of, um, you know, we, we get input from everybody, but in regards to our initiative and growing a community sense and building those relationships that come through, uh, as you, as you kind of mentioned before, this organization has definitely has some older people, some seasoned is how I usually refer to them as, um, and, and those people will eventually transition. And then that becomes the next level of leaders in the in the fair industry so kind of having that uh, camaraderie and community based and building that up um, that's kind of what we focus on and, and uh, it's been one of those things that i attribute to being involved with where i'm at when i saw it in 2010 when i went to my first convention um was a blast and, and looking at um you know jen Giesick and, and jessica underberg and um scott smoller and and uh jerry parsons you know the list goes on um, Jen Puente, you know, all those people that I looked up to. And it's one of those things that I'm like, I want to be one of the cool kids uh, that does this <laughs> stuff. And, you know, being a 24 year old um, heading to convention as a volunteer, and that was pretty intimidating knowing these guys were doing this, is that's their profession. Um, so it was my goal. And, you know, again, just continue to, you know, read emails and, and be involved when I could and, and ask questions. And um, here we are today. And so I'm pretty excited to to serve as a chair and we got a lot of exciting things that we're really going to ramp up um, like 2020 has it's, it's caused us to think outside the box and, and create new opportunities for ourselves uh, with what we have and, and the cards that we're dealt with so excited about all the things that we have planned here for this next year how many people are involved with ypi so in regards to our um, steering committee uh, each rep each zone has representatives so we've got the the eight zones and then we've got our our chairs and vice chair and then we bring in two associates, so two people um, that are involved within the fair industry, but their job is, you know, performing. Or, you know, we had um, somebody who was with a carnival a couple of years ago. So um, Madison Kinsel was was uh, with uh, the one well, I can't remember the, her carnivals, but she's with the carnival. So you know, we've got all sorts of people that are involved, and I think that's the the fun aspect of it. So that's our steering committee. But then, in regards to the YPI um, network itself. Um, you know, that, and I couldn't even give you a number, but anybody who's under 40 wants to be involved in, and that's kind of our, our network that we're focusing on. So, so do you guys believe once we turn 40, we're old? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I know that's, it is a loaded question when people ask that. So what am I old now? Um, no, that's <laughs> not, that's not it whatsoever. And I think that's the, the fun thing with it too, because, um, looking at, the ones who have now aged out um, of this under aged 40, out, aged their, out. <laughs> their use by date has expired. Um, but it's fun to see those connections that those guys have and, you know, their memories that they built because of being involved. Um, you know, the fair industry is like, like you said, isn't like no other industry. Um, I, my real job is as an insurance agent. I've been doing that for 14 years. So um, it's a very cutthroat agent or um, cutthroat industry that you know you don't share a lot of ideas and yeah you got some friends but you know are they really you know your friends where I feel like the fair industry is so much of the sharing and um, you know the high five like way to go I want to come visit your fair type of thing and I think that's what's fun um, and makes it so enjoyable and, and exciting to be around and uh, the the energy is um, is definitely it, it carries over to, to so many people at that point. Yeah, I agree. Having done a couple of a couple of YPI events back in my day when I was a youngster, <laughs> which was only, by the way, about I don't know, fifteen or sixteen months ago, it has not been that long. There you go. I've been See? aged out. Um, it, it always just seemed like, a, um, you know, a terrific melting pot of ideas of young ideas that maybe they'll work, maybe they won't. But yeah. knowing some of those people and some of the names you listed earlier, like Jeremy Parsons, and you know. Uh, Jessica Underberg and and there's just so many that and some of them I've had on the show that you know this industry is in good hands you really do because it's some of these um, the older folks in our industry that are are the real have real experience not like five or eight years we're talking 30 40 50 years experience as they they retire and and move on from the industry we 
need to be able to take the knowledge that they have to share with us and combine it with new ideas 100%. and keep and keep this industry growing and healthy. And I think there's a really good balance within the industry right now of uh, veteran, you know, experienced leaders that are sharing that that knowledge with young people like yourself to be able to help guide this yeah. industry in the future. For sure. And I think that's one of the things that's so cool about it too, that I think um, we're able to merge those experience and reasons why things were might've been done the way they were, but then also being able to twist that and take that next idea of like, okay, let's, let's try that. Let's do that. And I think um, it's been fun as I look as my mentors that I first met when I was at my first convention, you know, um, Jim Sinclair, you know, one of those people that I was just like in awe about, and now, you know, I can and talk to them. And, and Gary Slater is one of those two that, you know, here in Iowa, I, you know, it was one of those things that it was pretty cool being able to, to talk to Gary. And, and now Gary and I will shoot text every once in a while and, and have those conversations. So I think it's one of those things that it wouldn't have been impossible if it wasn't for YPI and having, and I'm a pretty outgoing person, as you could probably imagine, but just knowing that this was a foundation that then it was able to, you know, um, catapult me into where I'm at today and, and having those conversations and those friendships from all around the world. Well, you know, what really impresses me here in talking to you is as it's, I'm hearing you continually say that you guys are an all volunteer fair. That's a, that is in your, it's a, it's a a small, you know, small to moderate size. Now you started super small and now you're moderate size. That is an enormous amount of work to put in just as a volunteer. That is you like I, I can I can see where a lot of people might get to a fair, grow up from six to forty-five and be like, okay, it's time to have a payroll. <laughs> and yeah, you guys are still determined to keep it as a volunteer fair. And how does that we're working work? on it? Honestly, I'll tell you right now, we're actually uh, trying to look and see if we can um you know make make transitions with it because as we started, um again, when we were you know, there's a, a handful of us that were younger and didn't have families and all the extra things and our businesses hadn't grown to what they are. Um, it is a lot easier to dedicate some, some time to do that. And, you know, I'm looking at my schedule right now and I've got, you know, plenty of clients to deal with for my real job and then trying to get two grants written and line up people to go take out some stuff at a building so we can, you know, we got donated and, and just trying to manage that, let alone I've got, you know, amazing little crew here that, um, you know, trying to manage. So, so we are getting to that point. I think every time that we do talk about that, people are like, you don't have anybody paid at your fair and, and, and we don't. Wow. And it's one of those things that, um, that is, it's grown to the point where we've got to make some transition because I think we're all going to go crazy if we try and keep managing this. And, and people ask me how you do it. And I said, honestly, I don't sleep. <laughs> I mean, well, last night I was up till midnight working on my real stuff and back up by five. Um, so that is, that's one of those things that I don't want to keep burning that. And because then I don't want to lose that desire what I enjoy the fair so much as at that point too. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, certainly between the the pandemic and extremely contentious political times, there's more than enough negative to talk about in the last year. Um, but let's continue to stay focused here on the positives. What are some of the bright spots that you see coming in our industry? You know, I think that us being able to um, take what we've had and what we've traditionally had as fair. Um, some of the fun things I'll even take about, you know, our fair and just trying to sit there and, and sit back and say, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do to bring the community together? Well, we've always we've got a great fairgrounds to do a drive-in movie. We finally did a drive-in movie. We did, we did three or four of them this year and, and how fun it was and the amount of people that were there, which was super fun to see, the amount of people that were there every night I'd get on stage and say, hey, thanks for coming to the fair. So glad you were here. And I'd say, how many people have you never been to the fair before? And I get a big roar of a crowd. I mean, that's people that have never come to our fairgrounds before because it's been fair. So we brought a whole new clientele to our fair um, that had never been there. And then people were excited to say, I'll come back and check this out again. And so, you know, thinking outside the box and really pushing ourselves to, um, we're labeled as a fair and we're labeled as, you know, one week of the year, we're going to have a lot of fun. And a lot of our fairgrounds have multiple purposes to them. But I think as a small county fair, we were able to broaden the horizons of what people saw our fairgrounds for. Um, and I think that's one of those things that a lot of us have been able to do, uh, you know, on a smaller side with things. And, and hopefully, again, 
the drive-in um, food uh, days and, and bringing foods in and, and that type of stuff. You know, what a great idea. Um, uh, I can't remember which fair it was, but it was down in Texas, I believe. They had a drive-in zoo. I mean, would we have ever thought of that before? Um, one of those situations that was so creative and something that we've been so traditional, they sold out in less than a day for their tickets and had to add more days for it because again, we were forced to think of other ways to, to bring our fairgrounds as a, um, a point of fun, but not generated that is the fair itself. So again, I'm all about creating memories and creating um, experiences that are fun because I want to be able to walk down and see somebody and be like, you're from the fair. I remember when I went to the drive-in movie or um, we did a golf outing. We've never done a golf outing before, which is something that has nothing to do with fair, but it was a fundraiser and brought people together to support the fair that, you know, for them to go to the fair that wasn't really that exciting for them. Um, but that's something that now they have a memory of and, and being able to, again, think outside and what we have been so pigeonholed on what we're doing. Well, you're creating more, I know we're, we're very careful to not use the word touch points just because touch points mean something different, but you're creating, um, touch points basically where you're getting contact with guests that you might not have otherwise had contact with. When I was speaking with Cliff Munson from Siskiyou Golden Fair, he was really adamant that yes, we're, you know, we're the Siskiyou Golden Fair, um, but we're a fairgrounds and yeah. we have a multi-purpose role. We, and that can be anything in the community from hosting a prom, hosting graduation to yeah. in California, um, you know, they end up setting up fire camps where, you know, firefighters are staging and setting up their headquarters and sleeping when they're fighting wildfires in California. Um, those fairgrounds, uh, especially their livestock areas, when you've got livestock out in the community that's in danger of a fire overtaking them, those horses get taken down to the fairgrounds and they get, they're in a safe place. You see the same thing in Florida with lineman trucks and whatnot, staging, getting ready for hurricane response, or I'm sure in, you know, in your case in the Midwest, fairgrounds get used in, in disaster response for, you know, if they can be used during flooding or after tornado response, things like that. We have such a huge footprint in this community and maybe it's time we really start messaging to people that we are a lot more than, you know, 10 days in September with a Ferris wheel. 100%. I think that's, that is, it's one of those things that we, we, again, as an industry and as a perception, we get so focused on that in which we do. I mean, that is where um, revenues come from and, and usually the, the most amount of people coming to our grounds tends to be during that time frame um, when you are a, a smaller, you know, a county fair, that type of thing type of situation and we it's our due diligence to to bring people there for other things and and like you said too you know having um we had a land a land wind hurricane is what they so we had 140 mile an hour wind sustained for about an hour uh two hours that hit us at the end of august uh or middle of august first part of august that was complete devastation as an insurance agent it's been a nightmare for 2020 but we're going to get over it um but our fairgrounds became a spot for uh, groups that came in for um, debris cleanup and, and tree cleanup and that type of stuff. You know, we were able to house um, and have that as an option for people during the pandemic. We were opened up our fairgrounds as a camping spot for essential workers if they couldn't go home in quarantine because that was so early in the stage that you know I don't want to go home. Um, you know, we allowed a spot for people to come and, and stay for free. You know, those are the things that I even got a phone call today on our fair phone. Um, which is a nice flip phone, but no one has to know that. Um, our phone. It's going our, out on the air. I they know. Lynn County it, Fair just, uses a flip phone for their fair phone. And it works and it's always with me. But I got a phone call today that Lynn County, Oregon, which we found out later, is giving COVID shots. I mean, again, fairgrounds are essential in all aspects of things. So um, we get a lot of phone calls from good old Lynn County, Oregon. Uh, on a regular basis when people are searching, but, um, but yeah, Jer Jeremy says the same thing over in, uh, Spencer at Clay yes. County fair. He gets calls for, for Tasha Hyder down at Clay County Florida. in Florida all the time. Yes. Yep. So yes, it's, it's one of those that, um, again, we're all getting used for different things and which is great. And I think that's, um, what fairgrounds are, are, we, uh, used for is, is community driven and, and creating those again, situations and opportunities and memories that are, not necessarily just fair. So you made it through 2020. We're now planning for 21. Has the past year taught you anything about yourself? Resilience. 
more than ever before. Um, and you know, stress was exponential. Um, fielding phone calls, uh, I've got kind of a wraparound porch at our house, and um, countless nights I'd have to sit out there and just I get phone calls from people. You know, why are we doing this? And and you know, people mad about livestock shows not being at the fair and and trying to um, be that mediator. And I, you know, I've sat for our fair, I've sat in all roles. So I've sat as obviously the treasurer and secretary, sat as vice president, sat as president. Um, and so definitely one of those things that you feel all those phone calls, but even more this year is, you know, trying to see both sides, trying to walk through situations, explains how we came to um, conclusions on things and then being able to find time, find effort, um, to make sure that we're making an impact and creating memories. Again, my biggest thing this year was not not sitting stagnant for a whole year, um, now two years. I didn't wanna see that happen. I wanted us, we, we gained so much momentum that I didn't wanna lose that. Um, so we did a virtual fair and, and which was so much work. Um, I'm not a virtual, per I'm, I should say I'm not a virtual person. I'm not a technology person, um, but when it came to creating a virtual fair and, and just a handful of us trying to do that anywhere between a coloring contest to a virtual pie eating contest um, to again, um, you know, planters, photography and, and creating how that platform was gonna work um, was exhausting. But resilience again, knowing that, you know, we can be dealt another card and we're gonna find our way through it and, and find through that fog and sift through it and, and come out and um, with great experiences and memories behind it. What inspires you about this industry? The people, um, you know, day in and day out, it's one of those things, you know, usually I'll get a phone call um, from one of my buddies up north here and, you know, we'll talk on our way to work and she has another fair that she deals with and, and we've got, a, you know, our fair here and um, it's fun to have those conversations and, and we excite each other in regards to getting, um, learning what one of the other is doing and then the paths of, um, everyone that takes, everyone's taken and, and where everyone's, their successes and stuff. It's, it's one of those that's a lot of fun. And um, the people are definitely the, the reason that make it so much, say it's so enjoyable to be around and exciting to continue to um, develop and, and uh, create the fun. Speaking of our industry, you know, in a normal year, we all get to meet at conventions and trade shows across the country. And we do everything there from, you know, ed sessions and roundtables to shopping the trade show. I'm curious, what tends to catch your eye when you're at those trade shows and when it comes to entertainment booking? Um, when I am at convention, uh, which I've been to our national convention uh, nine years, I did not go the one year I was pregnant um, for better purposes than having to, to walk around. And that was been a Vegas year, I think is what it was, a Vegas year. So um, as we know, Vegas was was a lot of a lot of uh, walking and everything else. But um, I look for somebody who is personable and fun. I love, um, I wanna I wanna be able to see and hear you. And I think that's what ends up grabbing those attentions with it. So um, if it's if it's grabbing my attention, I hope that it will um, grab the attention of, of our patrons because as as you know there's there's so many things that we're looking at and trying to fit within our fairs that will work well and and be cohesive within it um, and trying to find something that is just that much more exciting with it um, you know it's I'll think of the the guys Swifty Swine is one that you know I would constantly get phone um, people asking are the are the pigs going to come back again I'm like we got pigs everywhere else but for some reason, those those silly little pigs and um, that crew, which they've had some great crews, you know, those those types of guys with it too. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it is um, something that's going to be that's going to again be a factor that is going to excite people and make people draw them in to come and, and hang out with them. Speaking of trade shows, this is kind of an I guess an inside joke within the exhibitors, but I'm curious on the last day of the trade show. So. Third day of IEFE. Yes. Is your badge facing forward or backwards? Dang it. <laughs> it might be backwards at that point, which is horrible. I just got called out on it. No, I'm not calling you out. I just, I'm curious because to me, as an exhibitor, I look at what other exhibitors do. What are they doing to get attention? What gets my attention? Just like you, you know, you said. Yeah. 
And there's just a number of times that I end up in that aisle with the person who's trying to climb all over every single person walking down the aisle. And then by the third day, I don't even see backward badges because people avoid us entirely in that (laughs) aisle. They know that stay away from that row. (laughs) I know. I know. That's what that is frustrating that there are those people because, yes, that does ruin those experiences. But um, I do. I want to be able to kind of mingle through and, and look at that stuff and and truly see what things are before I don't want to get you know a hundred questions asked before I you know want to check everything out with it of course yeah see you sound like if it if it was me booking entertainment I'd want to go in and I want to walk the entire floor without being hassled without even speaking any I just want to look and get that first impression and then if I got you know go back around and hit the eight or ten things that I I noted I know for not all of you guys have that kind of time when you're at IFE because you're if you've got other trainings or things going on that it it can be a very busy time. It's just, it's been an interesting ride for me looking at the trade show. Cause when I first started 2009, 2010, I was, I was that guy. I was not, not jumping out in the aisles, but I was definitely thinking this is business. This is a trade show. They're here to do business. And, um, finally started to realize you just got to back off and just talk to people. And then I, I do more business, far more business outside the trade show. The trade show tends to be the place where, you know, maybe I'm at, you know, OYPI event or I'm at something going on in the evening or I'm at dinner with somebody and we get to striking up a conversation and they're like, oh, you get a fortune machine. That's kind of cool. Like the movie Big. Okay. Welcome. Check it out tomorrow. And then I'm one of the people they come specifically to see. And that's to usually where the book- you. Right. Yep. Because, and now, now it's a different conversation because now it's not like a cold call. Now we're just actually, it's an extension of the conversation we had the night before. And there are years where I've had that conversation, you know, one year, and then they come in the next day and they go, okay, that's cool. And the conversation continues. And then there's an email about it over the year. And then we have another conversation the next year. And then four years later, I get the call. Hey, I've been watching you for a number of years and I finally got a spot for you. Are you open? And it's like, wow, I didn't think anything was going to happen, but I think uh, I think some entertainers think that it's that it's do or die that moment or not. And it's like, if you develop the relationship, even if, if you can be patient, it'll pay off big time. Cause Very I think much. most, most people who develop relationships with each other within this industry, it's a lot easier. I find that in talking to fair managers, you, you guys tend to like booking people that you know, and you trust. And um, that takes time. Yeah, you know, it does. It takes time to get and, to know that. Unless it's that one event, that that one act that you're like, oh my God, I have to have that it. now. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a patience game. It is. And I think that's like with any, it's like with any relationship. I mean, that's, that's how it goes. You, 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 you just build it, you, you know, water it and everything else and, and, and can continue to um, engage with those people. And I think that's one of those things and it's, you hit the nail on the head when in regards to, you know, I usually do business with people that we know that we, you know, have worked with uh, people have worked with that we know have worked with. And, and those are all great things that then develop into more things. Uh, events for people to come to and, and see. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting back to trade shows. I, my sense is this year, assuming we get to have shows this year, um, you know, Florida scheduled for May and then it'll be like Arizona fairs back, you know, November time when it starts up and then IFE, I don't know that I'll be booking much for no other reason than I'm just going to hug in people and hang out with them. <laughs> and then I'll come home and be like, Oh, I forgot to ask them if they, if they oh, about you know, need that. a That's what I was there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was there for. It happens. Yeah, we, it does. We actually have our Iowa convention here um, a week from tomorrow. Um, so we're kind of excited about that. And numbers are definitely not where they're normally at and about half the associates that we normally would have. But again, yeah. I think that's a sign of the times. But um, like I talked to one of my fair buddies uh, this afternoon or this later, actually late morning um, and hit what they were doing. And, you know, said we, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to got to get it done. And we've got to try it and see how it goes. And, and I think that's one of those things that, um, you know, we got to put our feet out there and, and test the water so that we know that we're comfortable and people are eager to see each other. I agree. I, um, you know, God, I just keep coming back to if we, if I can go to Walmart and get my groceries with 200 other people wandering around and, you know, touching the watermelon and touching all the products on the shelves and I can do that safely, then we should be able to pull off a convention pretty safely. I think so too. I think so, so. too. I think it'll be, I guess, because I was normally, aren't you guys normally running in December? We are typically. So, yep, we had that um, during that time frame, though, we were cut to, I want to say 
20 people gathering or 30 people gathering or it was something Yikes. not not conducive for a 1600 person convention that is normally going to happen at that point and not that it would have been a 1600 people but um, we're looking at about half is what i heard um actually yesterday in regards to the amount of people that would be attending so yeah well it's you know texas ended up canceling we were Sarah and I were at that point, we're going back and forth on, you know, do I send, do I go down even just kind of as a, with a skeleton booth, if you would, just a basic pop-up banner and, and not too much set up. And we were back and forth on it coming up to like the week or so before Christmas. And then they ended up pulling the plug anyway. I think the cases were just too, too high at that point. And, um, you know, at some point you don't want to, you don't want to still charge everybody the same dollar, but you give them 40% of what they're used to just because you have fewer people, you have fewer options that, you know, I mean, what do your yeah. events look like? How do you protect your brand and not damage yes. your brand in the middle of all of this? So I think it's just a patience and empathy kind of thing. And, you know, we'll all get back there. It's going to take For some sure. time. We'll get there. Listen, yeah. I'm glad you could be on the show today. Um, before we go, since we're just about out of time here, Everyone on my show goes through a little series of speed round questions. If you've listened to some of the other uh, yes. shows, you you kind of know that's coming at the end. So I'm going to ask you a handful of questions, and you give me your best answer to each. Are you ready? Ready. Let's do You're it. Ready. Jennifer <laughs> Dunn, YPI Chair, VP of the Lynn County Fair. What is your favorite thing about the fair? Uh, carnival. Last movie you saw? Oh gosh. Um, it's not a movie. Um, I can't even, well, let's just go frozen. Cause that's really, I'm trying to think of something adult, but I don't have anything adult. Well, you got two kids in the house. So I'm guessing yes. it's a Disney movie that's been played <laughs> recently. First, first celebrity crush. Um, Matthew McConaughey. You can have dinner with one person in history alive or past. Who is it? George Washington. What would you want to talk with him about? Life. I think politics is very interesting with it, but life as creating um, what they went through, how they came to the point of where we are today and, and that foundation. See, I, you're, you and I are not far off because I would do James Madison. Okay. Because as the father of the Constitution, I would like to ask some clarifying questions that I think could make <laughs> politics a lot easier so today. Much easier? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And last question. If you could be the guest star on any television show, past or present, which television show would you be a guest star on? Oh, Nashville. 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 Okay. Why Nashville? I was obsessed with that. I think in my other lifetime, I would have been a country star. I can't <laughs> sing for the life of me. Um, See, another thing you and I have in common. <laughs> yeah. My if husband my, plays the guitar and sings and my girls sing with dad. It's so cute. And they're like, we should have a family band. And I said, I'll just book the entertainment. I'll just yeah, book I'll, it. Nah, I'll run this. I'll run the audio board. I'll, get, I'll, I'll handle that. I'll set the microphones up. Yes. If someone was, um, was to hold the gun to my head and say, sing or your child's, you know, your child's life depends on it. That would be oh. very, it would be devastating because I could not save my child's life if that was yeah. the case. I can't sing either. I can't, I can't. There was, there was one night um, at Arizona fairs several years ago, Cafe Anderson, who is a friend of mine and was up I on love the show. Him, by the way. D okay. Do you love I've, yes. I've watched, we set like binge watched their whole show. So shout yeah. out to Cafe to and, and Priscilla. Uh, Priscilla. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cafe and Chris are amazing people. So Cafe comes on out when he calls me once, probably a month before the convention says, Hey, I was thinking of coming out and do a showcase at Arizona fairs. What do you think? And I said, you know, he was living in, in LA at that point. And I'm like, yeah. come on out. You can, you know, you route two or three of these together and you got yourself a nice little run in September. Yeah. And so he comes out and he's doing uh, his, he's finished his sound check. He's getting ready to do the showcase. And some of the fair managers, we're all sitting around the table and he's just acoustic on his guitar. He's just playing oh. and singing yeah. a little bit. And I freak, he was playing tacos and margaritas and he goes, sing it, Robert. And I'm like, and no. so I, I, I let out two words and I was like, nope, nope, nope. And he goes, bro, you're going to ruin the song. <laughs> like, yes, I will ruin that song. I will no. ruin it forever. <laughs> Singing is not my forte. Listen, Jen, it was really great having you on the show. If folks want to reach out and contact you, where can they do that? 
Yeah, um, you can reach out the lincountyfair.com is our website and Jen, J-E-N-N at the Lynn County Fair is where you can find me um, for email and or call my cool flip phone um, flip with phone. it. But the lincountyfair.com will have all my contact information. Jennifer Dunn, Vice President of the Lynn County Fair in Iowa and now uh, President or Chair of the YPI. Really appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. I loved it. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com. 